Hey everybody, welcome back to the Airgun Podcast. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did, and uh, even though it was a little bit different this year and all the crazy things that have been happening, I still have a lot to be grateful for, and I really am just thankful. You know, oftentimes I find myself just cruising in the car or, um, you know, just when, when I'm alone by myself just thinking about all the awesome things that I have in life, uh, and especially with this community and all the support that I have um, had from all of you guys who are listening and, you know, buying things from the website and sending me encouraging messages and just reaching out uh, and letting me get to know you a little bit better. So I'm just really grateful. Uh, and I, I always want to tell you guys how appreciative I am of just everything that, um, you guys do for me. So I really appreciate you. I hope your Thanksgiving was amazing and I hope you guys can find some things to be grateful for this year, even though it's been one hell of a ride. But uh, anyway, we're going to jump into this episode with Chris Cook from Cafes and Campfires. And if you go to cafesandcampfires.com, you can read some of Chris's uh, blogs and check out all the places he's hunted and then all the cafes he's hit along the way. And you might just find the best freaking gravy in town. You never know. But anyway, um, just a quick bit on Chris. He's a super awesome guy, super generous. From the moment I started talking to him on Instagram, um, I just knew he was a really nice guy and uh, was going to hopefully develop a really strong friendship with him. And so far, uh, batting a thousand, I'm really grateful for the opportunity that he gave me to head out to hunt with him. And if you guys want to check out more, you can go to the Airgun Podcast YouTube channel and check out the Texas Hambush video where we uh, document the whole entire hunting excursion and we get the... <laughs> final moment of destruction on camera on the last night where I was able to get the hog with the Umrex Air Saber. So a great gun if you're looking for something for some big game hunting um, and you want to go a different route than using slugs, then uh, this is a good gun to check out. But anyway, here is Chris Cook and I hope you guys enjoy this one. Boondog. What's up? Come in, come in. Dude, can you hear me? I got you. But dude, what's new? Nothing's new. It's getting cold in Texas, so I'm I'm getting pretty excited about chasing some critters this week. Freaking A. So two things. One, if people haven't checked out the video, which at the moment I'm editing, but by the time this episode is up. Uh, it will be on YouTube, is the hog hunt that I just did with you in Jack County. And uh, it was a freaking butt kicker. I'll say that. It was. But, you know, I was kind of – I was glad it ended the way it did, but also I was like, you know what? I'm glad that we had to do some work. I'm glad that you didn't just come out and think it was just so easy, you know? Like we had to – we earned it a little bit, you know? It's hunting. Everybody thinks Texas is just so full of hogs are behind every tree and you just walk around and pick out the one you want. But, you know, they are still wild animals that don't really want to die. So you have to hunt them. So <laughs> I kind I kind of liked the way it went, really. I know it was tough, but I like to hunt like that, you know? No, yeah, it was really good. You know, honestly, thinking back, I really think the most difficult part for me was just the the hard start on not having good sleep the night before with, <laughs> with the uh, pregnant sick wife 
and then not having as much caffeine as I would normally have on a day where I'm not even hunting. So I think I'd have been less of a, a B word <laughs> if I had at least caffeine. Go anyway. You're not a bitch. Just, just so you know, it's okay. a, more than one person has come out and said, I mean, you got to get your, your, your schedule right in your, you know, your, what do you call it? Like your, everybody's biological clock runs a little different and most people are used to six or seven straight hours of sleep and sometimes the pigs don't agree with that schedule so i just adjust mine but it is hard for people sometimes the first night or two to get to get adjusted so and sometimes we get lucky and they and they're there in the daylight but they they get hunted pretty heavy around there so a lot of times especially now that you know a lot of rifle hunters are starting they'll start going pretty much all nocturnal so I'll have to do the same thing if I want to kill them. But anyhow, we got it done, man. Let's get let's get to the the good stuff. So we had a successful hunt in Texas. Uh, killed a hog with the Umarex Air Saber that you so kindly let me use, and we used some. What were those blackout? The uh, yeah, the blackout expandable uh, crossbow broadheads. I I had never used them before. I'm. I, they seem fine to me. I like them. In fact, I bought some more after you left, but I think yeah, because I out. freaking destroyed all of the arrows <laughs> that you had. Yeah, but that's the way it goes. You got to pay to play, right? That's true. I, I did get one back. I found it after you left. I went back over there. You remember you? We, we thought maybe you had uh, hit another hog when that you know when the arrow went through. So I went over there and mm. looked for blood, and I found another. Found the other arrow, but. You luckily didn't injure the other hog, so it was a one, one hog, clean shot. Well, Perfect. Sort of clean shot. An anchoring shot, let's put it that way. Yeah, dropped him on the spot. <laughs> no well, no blood trail required. <laughs> hey, that's honestly better than having to try and track it in the middle of the night, in my opinion. Yeah. For everything we went through and having to leave the next morning and all that. I think it was a selfishly... I would. <laughs> no, you're right. It's, if you have to leave early the next morning, that was probably the best best thing for it. But well, anyway, without going into too much detail, we had a successful hunt, <laughs> uh, got a hog, and um, but Chris, we are here to get your story. So why don't you give us a little bit of background? You know, you mentioned you grew up kind of in that general area, uh, and then kind of how you got into air guns. Obviously, you're a Texas boy, so you, I'm guessing, grew up hunting and shooting all kinds of uh, weapons, if you will. But how'd you get into air guns? What's your story? I think, well, of course, when I was a kid, like everybody, you had a whatever Walmart had, you know, some sort of Springer or I think maybe a Crossman, you know, the I don't even know the model, the little pumps. I think we had one of those, but... Mm -hmm. I grew up pretty much as poor as you could, just in a trailer with six people, and we spent most all our time outside, which all of these things is not, um, th this is a blessing. Later in life, when I look back, I'm like, I wouldn't have really wanted to grow up any other way. At the time, I thought it was terrible, but now I'm like, it's what made me what I am, and I'm, uh -huh. I enjoy my life right now, and I see things a little different than a lot of people. You know, I always tell people, your problem is you've never had nothing. 
if you if you at some point in your life you've never had anything you look at everything you have a little different so i'm very fortunate and i know i am to get to do what i do i pretty much can hunt and fish whenever i want but the air gun thing i don't know i just like weapons i like to test my skill against whatever wildlife is out there with with anything i can get in my hand spears blow guns recurve bows muzzle loaders i mean you name it i pretty much chase something around with it sometimes unsuccessfully but you learn from that but the air gun the pcp the first one i got was it was actually only just about a year ago a little over a year ago i got the the 25 gauntlet and uh didn't really know nothing about nothing i just I, it kind of bridged the gap between like rifle hunting and bow hunting for me i mean i do a lot of bow hunting i had a ranch that i was doing a bunch of you know cold deer hunts on we had 150 deer tags and they didn't really they didn't really allow bow hunting and i kind of wanted to find something in between that so you know i started looking at pcps and not that i was going to use the gauntlet for to bridge that gap but that was my introduction right. let me get this gun and just see if I even like anything about this. You know, it's if you if you don't know anything about it, honestly, it's a little intimidating with bottles. And, you know, you read 4,500 PSI and all these things. And I'm like, man, so let me just get this little gun and see if I even like this this process, you know. And, mm -hmm. and immediately, and most people listening know, but that gun is accurate, very accurate. And immediately I was knocking down jackrabbits and raccoons and shot a fox. And I mean, pretty quick started liking it. So then I was like, well, I'm going to step it up and find a, you know, something I can hunt some big game with. And that's when I got the, the air saber. I always love the, the, the bow hunt. I mean, it, it's more personal to me. You know, you're up close and personal, but the the blood trail the tracking you know all of the all of those things were, were i mean that to me was just as much of the hunt as you know actually pulling the trigger i like that looking at sign and all those things so shooting arrow but being able to get a little bit farther than you know i could with the bow i said that's the gun for me and i actually got it we had an it we have an extended season down on one of the ranches i hunt and so i got that gun in january I think within a week, maybe two weeks, I'd, I'd already killed a whitetail with it and was extremely impressed. So then that just made me want to find even more things I could shoot with it. So chasing hogs and whatever else. I mean, we're, you live in Texas, so you got opportunity at just about anything that walks the planet, actually, that you can legally hunt is here somewhere. So my plan for this year is probably just carry that air saber for the for the rest of the season actually so hogs deer and javelinas whatever else we come across but i'm gonna i'm gonna do a lot of hunting with it i really want to you know learn a lot more about it but so far i'm enjoying the the air gun my introduction to air guns it's only been like i said not even barely over a year but so far i'm liking it i've had a lot of help from a lot of people that that helps a lot I've been like, like, you know, Chad at Lethal Air, I, I can, he's answered a ton of questions, you know, real easy to get information. So it might seem overwhelming. And if you're alone, I guess it would be, but with the people that are, that are out there that can answer your questions, it's really, 
you know, it's, there's nothing to be intimidated about. Anybody that's thinking about getting in it, just do it. And I'll promise you when you start asking around, you're going to, you're going to get help. It's a good group so far. Yeah, man, that's uh, exactly what I've experienced. And I say that almost every podcast episode, people are always like, yeah, it's a great community. People are so nice. I got a lot of help. And that's true. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's the, the community has started to grow even more, aside from the badass technology where you can shoot arrows at 400 feet per second. But, um, yeah, it's, it definitely makes it easier when, when people are welcoming and <clears throat> when they can just get you in and help you out whenever you need it. So with your experience so far, barely being a, a year old air gunner, uh, what's been the most surprising thing about the air guns so far? The immediately my, my first, the first thing that surprised me and just because, you know, everybody knows what the gauntlet is. That's pretty, you know, very introductory level gun, but the accuracy of that gun surprised me. I really didn't expect that for the, for the, you know, amount of money compared to a lot of other high end guns. It look, it is what it is. Everybody knows it. It's, little heavy, little bulky, but it shoots. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you want, you know, I mean, you get exactly what you pay for in my mind. I was actually, I thought, I thought I got a good deal because I really didn't expect that accuracy out of it. And then, you know, I shot different pellets and, you know, it, of course, like any, any gun, it's going to shoot, you know, one projectile a little better than the other. But I mean, I was impressed with all of them actually just, I, I didn't expect that. And I think there's a lot of people that, when you come from the firearms, like, you know, I hand load for like my, my 22, 250. And like I said, we do a lot of culling down, down South Texas. And I mean, I'm not saying I'm, you know, sniper guy. And, but I, look, I killed 22, 23 whitetails last year and I did it in 22 or 23 shots. I mean, that's what I've done for years. So I know what accuracy is, especially with, you know, a smaller 22 caliber gun. And I just, I never expect, and, and look, the air gun is not, you know, a firearm. I get it, but I just didn't expect that accuracy. And then whenever I got the air saber and started shooting it, I mean, it's just as accurate. I mean, you shot it, you know, you, you know, don't, don't shoot at the same dot on your target cause you will ruin an arrow. So <laughs> I, I just, that surprised me most. I, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I didn't expect that. You know, I thought, well, you know, it's an air gun. I'll get a, you know, half inch group at 25 yards or whatever it is. You know, I don't know what I thought, but then when I started shooting, I'm like, man, I mean, I was with the gauntlet. I was shooting squirrels in Michigan last year. I mean, just headshots at, you know, 40, 50 yards up in the top of trees with ease. You know, it wasn't even a question. I felt like if I missed, it was me, not, not any, you know, not the equipment at all. So that was, yeah, for sure. That was, I was impressed with that, which, it's great, especially when someone can get into, you know, an entry level gun, see that accuracy, then, you know, really know what's in the, the thousand, you know, in $1,200 guns. I mean, you can imagine you're not, if this gun can shoot like that, there, you know, there's features on the other guns that obviously make it more comfortable and efficient and all that, but you, you can't, like, you want a good experience, like taking a, like taking a kid hunting. I mean, you don't want to go out there with this gun and it not be real accurate. And now you're, you're missing squirrels and stuff. That's no fun. No one's going to keep going 
pursuing something that they're not having fun at and not having an accurate gun is not fun. So to be able to pick up a $300 gun and go squirrel hunting and know that if one was missed, it was you, not the gun. I mean, that's fun. That makes it, that makes it fun to me. I mean, I'll definitely keep going in, in air guns and, you know, look at higher end guns and look at different things now, but had I had a bad experience with say the gauntlet, when I first got it, I might not have even, you know, thought about it again. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point too, is <clears throat> there's a, there's a lot of people that probably try something like a, a big box store brand and they're like, cool, I can hit like a pop can, you know, three out of five times at 30 yards, but yeah. Cool. That's it. Yeah. You know, well, and when there's a lot of technology, out there. another thing, like for me, I'm not, I'm not a real big shooter. Like I don't, I'm not sit on the bench and, and shoot for groups and all those things. So, I mean, I hunt, I, I want to go out. I want to make sure my gun's shooting, obviously. I mean, I don't want an accurate gun, but I just don't want to sit and see how tight I can get groups. I, I want to go out and pursue things. So, there, there's probably more accurate guns that will shoot better groups, but I, I want to do with it and I know what it can do. And as, as long as I understand the trajectory and th- now the, the thing I struggle with still today, the most is, is the wind drip. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm, you know, trajectory is, it, it is what it is. I can learn that pretty easy. You know, you, you, you shoot enough. I've shot recurves and, you know, on slingshots and everything, you kind of figure that out, but I've, I've struggled with the wind drift a little bit, but I mean, that's something you need to sit down and practice on. But as far as being familiar with the firearm and, and all those things, I just sit down on the bench and I shoot it and I make sure that it's to my satisfaction for the hunting that I want to do. And then I go hunting. So as long as I know I can hit the squirrel or the raccoon or fox or whatever it is I'm hunting, then I'm satisfied with it. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spend hours and hours and hours on a bench. It's just not, I mean, I'm all for it. That's what people want to do. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. I'll go shoot one day, but that's not what I do. I just want to go hunt. Right. Yeah. Same with me too. And I even, you know, I've got the, the, one of the higher end guns with the Dreamline. People are like, you know, what, what velocity are you shooting at? And like, what pellet, what, this and that and like what's your reg pressure and i'm like dude everything's standard from the factory i didn't screw with anything i put a, a moderator on there now i have a helix an element helix on there um and then a bipod and that's it like because i know regardless of the pellet because i did when i first got it, i tested like eight or nine different pellets in it just in a day and it was shooting all of them great i shot like i loaded the whole magazine up with two pellets of each kind and at 50 yards with like six different pellets there was like maybe maybe an inch group so like ranging from like 15 grains all the way up to like 34 so i'm like hey this thing will do exactly what i need it to do so i don't have all the technical data i mean you probably know from hunting with me for five days I, ha- I have, I'm not a gear guy. Everybody's like, man, you got a lot of stuff. I, I just feel like that's the stuff I need. I'm not, I don't rush out and buy the newest thing or, you know, so 
I'm kind of with you on the, I don't, I don't know the velocity of that gun. I don't know. Here's what I know. I know if that squirrel is in that tree, then I can hit him in the head. And that's, that's really all the information I have for you. You know, <laughs> if someone asks, I'm <laughs> well, like, that's all I you don't need. know, but I know at 50 yards, I could kill that. So, and for what I do, that's all I need to know, really. Yeah, I, I can definitely appreciate the simplicity of that. And, and, and that's why I do it myself, you know, like, sure, it'd be cool to have like a chronograph and all this different stuff. But I'm like, you know, I think just get y- your experience in the field is what's going to build that knowledge and that information and that skill set of shooting and, and knowing. So I don't I don't need to know what velocity my 34 grain JSB King heavy is shooting. at. I just need to know where it's hitting at these distances and then. I can take whatever I want to yeah, take. Yeah, I think it already, I mean, have I've hunted my whole life. So that part of, of getting into the air gun, that, that really didn't factor in the hunting part. Really, all I had to focus on and learn was, was the gun and the trajectory and, you know, where my gun was hitting. So everything else come natural. So when I'm out in the field, I'm, I'm was calling fox or I'm calling a raccoon or whatever it is. I, all of that procedure is all the same. That's what I would have done no matter what I was carrying. So my focus was just learning the gun and I, and I, and I learned it pretty quick and I picked it up and, you know, we're off. I'm not like the greatest now, but it, it was easy not having like, like, you know, you, you come down and on your first big game hunt and there's, there's things that you're trying to learn as far as, as big game hunting, regardless of whether you're doing it with mm-hmm. an air gun or not, you're trying to take in a lot of information in a short amount of time. It was easy for me already having hunted for 40 years to learn that, that air gun fast because I didn't, you know, I would already be out there hunting anyway. I didn't have to to think about all those other things, really trajectory and wind. And then I was off, you know? Yeah, that definitely makes it a lot more simple. And, and just to give people kind of a, an idea of how much of a hunter you are, uh, First of all, you showed me a picture of the giraffe that you got. So why don't you tell people just a little bit, maybe a list of some of the animals you've gotten. So that way they understand that you're not just some Joe Schmo guy who grew up in Texas. Well, I might be Joe Schmo guy. White tail and a hog. <laughs> Look, I honestly couldn't tell you, like, I don't know the species a lot, but it's that's not, I've never been a go collect this species. You know, like I, I want to, there's a grand slam of, of of all these things you know what i'm talking about i'm not mm-hmm. i want to go hunt something because i want to test myself against that and and all these species are different so like the giraffe for instance and believe me i mean you know how touchy of a subject this is but r- really I, I won't even really have a conversation with anybody about that hunt unless they've at least been to africa so I'm not saying hunted mm-hmm. giraffe. I'm not even saying hunted, but at least have stepped foot somewhere on the continent before you judge or, or try to explain to me why what I do is wrong. You know what I mean? Like if you have seen when that giraffe hit the ground and people come out of the bushes out of everywhere with knives and plastic bags and they're cutting pieces off. I mean, this thing didn't last two hours on the ground and it was just a greasy spot. It, it all went somewhere. I mean, they're all eating it. I've, I've seen guys carrying kidneys through the bushes. You know, you can have whatever opinion you want on it, but everyone needs to see that before they 
you know, start talking about why didn't you just shoot a whitetail? Why, why did you have to go over there and kill that? But I killed, uh, I don't know, I killed 10 or 12 species in Africa and I don't know how many here. I mean, a lot. I'm looking at my walls right now. There's a bunch up there, but that's not, that's not why I go out there and do it is to say, hey, I killed this or hey, I killed that. Hunting a, one of the hardest things that I, that I ever hunted was a zebra of all things. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a Disney animal that I, I call them. You know, it's don't, you can't hunt the zebras because they're endangered and all those things, which is all misinformation. But anyone that's ever hunted them is going to tell you that that's a pretty worthy adversary. That's not, you don't just walk out there and shoot a zebra. That's not the way it works. And you don't hunt them mm-hmm. like you would hunt, say, an elk or or even the giraffe or a pig. So all of those things take a different skill set. And that's what that's what I like is to be able to to outsmart that animal in his home with whatever weapon I choose, whether it's a, a rifle or a bow or whatever it is. But I know I need skills. You know, I think I told you when we were hunting. We're hunting in, in at night. It doesn't matter if I'm hunting on 10,000 acres or 10 acres because unless that pig is in the 30-yard circle of that green light, it really doesn't matter how far away he is. I mean, he has the entire planet, and we have a 30-yard circle. So if I can find a way to get him inside of that 30-yard circle and stay there long enough for me to get a shot at him, that takes some skill. You know, that's you, you that's you got to have the wind right you there's a lot of things you have to do to 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 get that to work out and that's what i like it's like testing myself against whatever it is my elk last year was in a blizzard mm. three feet of snow eight degrees 40 mile an hour wind i mean a legit blizzard i could have quit but i want to see can i do this not because i just had to have a bull elk or i just had to say i hunted in a blizzard for me personally i want to know my ability I wanted to know if mm-hmm. I could stick it out for two days in a blizzard. Can I walk three miles in the snow that's, you know, thigh deep? So, yes, right. I've hunted a lot of things, but it's not to say that I've hunted a lot of things. It's, you know, it, it's for me. Not not, not right. to tell yeah, we, other we, people we, how good I am. It's to, for, for me to enjoy what I'm doing and to think like, I still have a, I still have a little bit of skill. Like I can still outsmart this animal and sometimes we lose and then you have to go back and you have to regroup and you have to think of other things. That's what I like. The strategy of it and hunting's hunting's hunting. I don't care where you go in the world. Wind needs to be right. The sun needs to be right. That's, that's just hunting. But each and each species is just, just a totally different. I mean, we have pronghorns in New Mexico. That's, that's a whole different skill set than, you know, an elk in Montana. And I just enjoy at least thinking that I have all those skills. Yeah, I think, (laughs) I think you have them. Um, And you, you document some of your hunting experiences as well as your cafe experiences on your website, right? right? Cafes and campfires. So the way, (laughs) the way this started, I had a, family all over the country and and even in in australia i mean we had family everywhere and as the as your kids are growing up and they they're in baseball or they catch a big fish or whatever it is i would i would either email or i would text you know here's here's what the kids did this weekend and then i 
for sure would get a call from one of the grandmas like how come i didn't get that picture so rather than me trying to remember where all the people were and you know texting everybody i said i'm just going to put this all on a blog and then give everybody the link and then if you don't see it that's on you not me right so it started out as like a fishing trip and then you know the next week we wherever we were hunting and then of course i've always i'm a huge cafe guy like i always say like my both my both or all of my grandparents are gone but i always tell everybody i can't eat my grandma's cooking so i'm gonna eat someone's grandma's cooking like i want the old lady you know in the back of the kitchen just just greasy hot coffee you know what i'm talking about that's what i that's where i like yeah. to go and then the, and the more that i would post things like that the more i would get people that were asking about the cafes as much as the hunt and i realized there's like two two groups of people here i mean of course all hunters like go in after a cold morning and go to a cafe but so it kind of evolved into to what like the cafes and campfires that that i have now so i we go out hunt somewhere i take pictures of the food i write down the cafe i tell a little story about the hunting and hey if you're in this area you might want to check out this place and it's, it's it, i mean it's fun but it's what i do anyway so it's real easy for me to do because that's what i, I know i'm always doing i mean you know <laughs> how many cafes do we go to yeah but we lived it up <laughs> I, I i just <laughs> sorry i like uh the the local people wherever you're hunting there you know there's always the group of five old men in the corner drinking coffee talking about whatever they're talking those guys right there there's that's information right there you can use you buy one of those guys a cup of coffee <laughs> and before you know it you might know know where the biggest you know mule deer in the county is because they're out feeding cows and riding fences and farming there's a lot of information right there so you can learn a lot from those guys so there's definitely some strategy to your cafe it's, visits. Uh, then. Well, I love biscuits and gravy, but yes, there is some strategy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So, who, who has the best biscuits and gravy so far of all, all your cafe Dude, experiences? You, I mean, who's your favorite kid? I mean, I'll tell you this. Here, here's what I can <laughs> tell you, and the reason I try, I usually don't say this is the best place. What happened leading up to when you go in a cafe has a lot to do with how that cafe tastes. So, for example, if I've been out, I went on a hog hunt one time and we were out for two or three days and I slept on the ground. I mean, it was stupid. But anyway, that that day when we finally come out of the woods and we're driving home and we stopped at just random burger place, I don't even know what it was. I swore that was the best meal mm -hmm. that I had ever ate. And then later I went back there and I was like, this isn't even really that good. But after two days of sleeping on the ground and not eating and being in the woods, that was the best burger that I thought I'd ever ate. So what happens leading up to that plate of biscuits and gravy has a lot to do with how that plate of biscuits and gravy tastes. I don't know if that makes sense, but that, uh, no, that definitely <laughs> makes sense. Look, look if you, <clears throat> if you've been hunting out of a cabin and eating three cooked meals a day, and you're comfortable and you got a nice heater and you know you got nice warm coffee and you're driving home and you stop at a cafe it's not going to be the same as if you've been roughing it for four days and hiking mountains i'll promise you right yeah that's a very good point because i've i've eaten food after being super tired from whatever kind of 
uh, experience I had that I know normally I wouldn't really be a huge fan of, but that's what there was. And it just hit right. the spot. So that's true. <clears throat> yeah. Very, very good point about that. Uh, it's, I mean, now it's just, it's not a joke, but it's just, a, it's entertaining. I, I refuse to eat anything. When, when we go on a trip, my, I'll go 15, 20 miles out of the way to hit a cafe that I found, but I refuse to eat anything that I can eat at home. You know, what's the point? We're, we're driving, we're taking a road trip. We're going across the country. I'm not going to eat something that's down the road from my house. I want a whole new experience. Right. I want to, you know, and a lot of times I'll go in a cafe and I'll just say, bring me what you think is the best. Like I'll pretty much eat anything. I grew up in a trailer on government cheese. There's not a whole lot I want to eat. I mean, we most of our meat was roadkill. There's really nothing that you're going to bring me that I won't that I won't eat. So bring me what you think is the best. And sometimes you get. Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not. I'm sorry for my my friends in Ohio. Tyler Patton is not my friend, but you know, an acquaintance. There, I haven't found a real good cafe. So Tyler, if you know of a cafe. In Ohio, that you think would live up to the standards of Texas biscuits and gravy, I need to know it because four trips, four I think, four trips whitetail hunting up there, and I just haven't found, just haven't found one I've been impressed with. Well, he'll he'll be honest with you. He'll either tell you this is the place to go, or, or you're right, <laughs> there isn't one here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, but, it's fun, man. man. All the, well, I, like the the cafe is just as much. The, the part of the website now is the hunting and I have people that don't care about none of the, nothing but the hunting. I have people that just, Hey man, I, I mean, I don't hunt. It's not really my lifestyle, but when I'm going somewhere and I want to find a cafe, this is, you know, I go check it out and see if you've been to it. So it's <laughs> like awesome. two totally different. And, and it was never meant to be like that. It was just, it kind of evolved into that. And honestly, I don't ride as much and put on it as I probably should. Cause like we talked about earlier, it, like what I do just doesn't seem like it's real exciting. Like why would other people want to read about what they, they do? And I see that once I write an article mm -hmm. and I get all of these responses and, you know, you look on there and it's like, man, eight different countries, you know, have read my article today and that's cool. But I have a hard time always convincing myself that this would be exciting enough for someone to read, I guess just because I do it all the time. So I don't Right. Yeah. It's, it's your daily normal thing. But yeah, like we talked about was a, a lot of people don't get to do that kind of thing. You know, and most people, as, as far as your situation goes, most people aren't out hunting, you know, four to six days a week, every day around the clock or fishing on right. top of that. So you got an exciting outdoor life, dude. I know, man. I, I don't take it for granted. I understand, but I mean, there's a lot of work involved and a lot of, I'm telling you, it's, a, it's, there's a mentality. I know I've, I've said it before, but we, I mean, I've literally had zero in my life at one point. So you, it changes the way you look at things. Like, you know, we've, we've been to Thailand fishing and we, you know, go up wherever. Canada doesn't matter wherever we're fishing, hunting or whatever it is we're doing. That might not be like Thailand wasn't my my dream fishing destination but at the same time i could afford thailand so maybe i wanted to go to the amazon instead that's extremely expensive but i have the money to go to thailand so why not go to thailand i've never been there before i can afford it right now 
So let's go on that adventure, right? It might not have been what your dream was, but I see so many guys that they, 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 like, they save or they, they spend their time so wrapped up in, I, I have to get a, let's say a, a kudu in South Africa. I have dreams too. I mean, sure. I like to go hunt a lot of things, but don't not go on a hunt because it's not your dream hunt. If, if you can, if you can afford right. to go to South Africa and all you can afford to, to hunt is maybe Impalas and Warthogs and Blessed Buck, go there. Don't, don't stay home right. wishing that you had more money because you want to kill a kudu instead of a Blessed Buck. You've never been there at all. Go experience that. Go experience their food. Mm-hmm. Shoot your $300 Blessed Buck and be happy to be there. You know, rather than, man, I sure wish I could afford to, to you know, hunt this, you know, just... It, it's i promise you south africa especially but it, when you get there you'll realize how little the the actual hunting is a part of that trip the people the travel the right. food i mean we're eating mopani worms and you know what i mean just the things that you you didn't even know that you wanted to do but to just to just stay right. home and think about I wished I could do this. I wish I could do that. That's not a, it's not the, how my brain works. And that's <laughs> go somewhere that I'm think is not my, it's someone's it's an awesome place and it's cheap. And I, and I'll go back there for sure. I didn't even know I wanted to go there, but whenever I looked around at, at, you know, I can't really afford the Amazon right now, but what could I do? Well, I can afford Thailand. Let's go. And it was, it was a great decision. Right. And I may never go to the Amazon. I might just go back to Thailand twice. But I just think people right. need to, they need to take advantage of what you do have instead of worrying about what you don't. Right. Yeah. And because if you, if you're not making moves, I mean, like, like you said, you didn't know you wanted to go there. And I think that's how a lot of really cool things are kind of discovered. Even like, I didn't know that I, wanted to be in the world of air guns or hunting. Like I I liked animals growing up and loved like interacting with nature and like catching frogs and fishing or, you know, trying to catch whatever kind of animal catching bugs all the time. But I was like, I was an athlete. I, I played football and that was my thing. And then when all that went away, somehow, some way I got hooked onto freaking air guns and I haven't looked back it's it's literally like consumed my life and it's been really cool so it's like an experience that i yeah I was you didn't have. even know that that you would ever even like it i i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll tell everybody i know you, it might it might be embarrassing to you to hang out with a guy for five days in the camp that crochets but <laughs> i crochet a lot and why would I even start to crochet? Well, my wife was trying to learn, so I learned. And then before you know, and it's easy to me. I'm good at it somehow. I don't know how. But I, after doing it, I was like, you know what? Everyone should try everything. Like, There's going to be things that you don't even know you're good at or don't even know you enjoy until you do it. Like, I see so many people that, my like one of my big deals, I see guys that, you know, I have a, a lot of guns, say, but they they never really get to go use the guns. You know, like 
they got a five thousand dollar custom rifle and, and then they got to take it out twice this year and i'm like dude buy an eight hundred dollar rifle and a mule deer hunt you know like right? i promise <laughs> you that experience is is worth way more than that than that gun sitting in the in the safe like go do everything you can do just like you like all of a sudden air guns become your thing 10 years ago air guns weren't even in your mind but you wouldn't have known that if you hadn't tried it you know right yeah and it's been really cool too and i i never thought my first hunt would be with a a gun that's shooting a freaking an arrow (laughs) at 400 feet per second with a crossbow broadhead on there and i never thought i'd smoke a hog or i think that's part of the reason i mean because i use or try to use so many different weapons like i don't know if i'm gonna like a crossbow well let's go try a crossbow i don't know if i like muzzle loaders that's how you know that's how i got into the air guns like i can't say that i hey i'm not interested in air guns i don't know if i am or not but let's go get one and let's find out if i'm interested or not you know there's a lot of guys that just like just ah man i'm i'll never go to africa because there's stuff here i still want to hunt i was like well i mean that's great but you're not hunting it you know you need to i'm a doer like (laughs) i just i I would rather own one gun and have and have went on you know 15 hunts than have 15 guns and and only went hunting one time that's just the the experience that's where it's at that's where I promise you, your 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 mentality is going to change. Your, I think honestly, I think your lifestyle changes when you realize there's so much out there you've never even considered, and you start doing a few things, and you're like, you know what, this this really isn't all that important. Having a safe full of guns is cool, but if you're not using them, what's the point? You know, go go out there and hunt. Right. Yeah, and that's that's also one of the reasons I only have one gun right now because i'm like and even even the gun i have like all the opportunities that a lot of people have to like shoot i don't have those like i'm in between homes the house that i own which is currently under construction the backyard is literally like 40 feet long so shooting a 50 foot pound 25 cal air rifle back there it's just not really doable and, you know, I got to drive probably 45 minutes out to go shoot somewhere on the off chance that I will have time to do it with <laughs> everything that's going on right now. But it's, it is the only gun that I need right now. And, and it's done everything I need it to do. And eventually, I don't know if I get really established in like a career, I might, you know, treat myself to a, a, a couple different guns that I really like, but there'll be, you know, purpose specific guns like the the dreamline classic is great but it is a beast trying to like maneuver that thing in your car doing like pest control like as a truck gun so if i can get a little compact bullpup or something but like that gun you have instead of so just think of all of the hunts you could do with the gun you do have that you haven't done yet like i mean right raccoons with dogs if that does that interest you i don't know but let's try it one time all right well i didn't like that mark that off the list you can do that with a gun you have a uh, gray foxes you know i mean whatever it is but rather than just man I, I i can't go out and you know i don't have a 40 45 so i can't go deer hunt well go get an air saber because you can get that for 
pretty cheap. Now you can go deer hunt, you know, just there's ways, find, find the ways, Uh, you know, the, when, when I went to Africa two years ago, I just, I basically said, I just want to hunt. Like I'm, I'm not that interested in giant horns and giant, you know, animals. Like give me as many hunts as I can get packed into this 10 days. And I killed a lot of cull animals, uh, impala, ewes, you know, all sorts of things. But I was hunting and I experienced Africa. Mm-hmm. And, and regardless of whether you, whether you pull the trigger on the biggest ram in the herd or you, you still had to hunt the same exact way to get there. You know, I just aimed two foot right. over from where I would have if I was trophy hunting. But the hunt was still the same. The experience mm-hmm. is still the same. So the, the hung up on trophies from Africa, I don't even like the word. Just being there is, is a trophy. Just eating Mopani worms with some guy from the bush in the dark outside of a tent <laughs> with, you know, elephants and hyenas. That That's a trophy. You know, just go yeah. shoot the Impala U, but then experience everything else. And that was like part of the reason that I, when I bought the, the gauntlet, you know, I could have go buy a $2,000 gun, but I was like, you know what? Let me take this gun. Let me learn this gun, but let me go experience some, you know, some air gunning and just see Mm -hmm. what I can get into. And before you know it, there's rabbits hitting the ground and squirrels and raccoons and all these things. And I'm now I'm off, you know, I'm all about it. Right. Well, Chris, here's my prediction for you. You're going to end up with a high end PCP. You probably, you might not even get rid of the gauntlet, but you're going to be like, okay, I got to shoot whatever gun it is. And now I need (laughs) one. And then just by the nature of the people that you know, you're going to get a hold of a big boar, and then you're going to shoot big boars also. That's I'm calling that right now. You're probably right, and I don't have a thing in the world against that. And I I mean, I shot yours. I shot your, you know, FX out there, and it's obviously worth the money. I mean, there's there's no doubt when you hold up Mm -hmm. those two guns that are both 25s, you know, but I also think that like the gauntlet is worth that amount of money but absolutely there's there's better guns and well that your gun is obviously better but i yeah i mean they're they're worth the thousand dollars is what i'm getting at i'm not saying i can do everything that i want with this gun i carried that i think i told you but i was it's it's cumbersome to carry and i said well i'm gonna figure this out i did six miles with that gun calling foxes one day and just made myself figure out how I was going to carry it. It's, I mean, it's tough, Mm -hmm. but I I got it all figured out and felt, you know, got it comfortable. And I think I shot a Fox that day too. But anyway, um, I feel pretty confident that I can go pick it up, pick it up and make a few miles and, and have a good hunt. And I could, I can do the same with another gun. You just have to learn that gun. Right. Yeah. And the, one of the weird things with the gauntlet, though, is the the mounting um, locations for yes. like a the weight is <laughs> carrying it. I, I mean, yes, I've done you know ten and twelve mile days in Montana with a rifle, and there's this. I mean, I, so I, what I'm saying, I've carried I've carried a rifle on a sling a lot, but the weight distribution is all weird. It just, it pulls on you funny, and, you know. But like I said, you can figure it out or 
you can go spend, you know, $1,200 and get one. It just feels exactly like your rifle or you can go hunting. You know, if, if you got to choose in right. my mind, if I have to choose between, do I pay for this hunt and have just a little, little less quality gun or do I buy the very best gun and then I have to stay home because I spent all my money, you know what I'm picking, you know? Oh yeah. Nothing against high end, low end or whatever. Everybody needs to fit their own, their own budget, but, you know, don't overspend on equipment that you're not going to be able to get the good use out of, you know, anyway, what's the point? That's a good point too. Yeah. I think that's another, because that you have the people that say buy once right. kind of thing. So like spend as much as you can, which is true. I, I think there's some validity to that, but also don't overspend, you know, like I don't need a, in this, in the same way, I don't need a, a freaking Texan, a forty-five cal Texan. There's just nothing that I can take with that. Like I don't have the opportunities to take anything with that. So I can now know I I just get a gun that I will have the most opportunities right. to take things with, which is a twenty a twenty-five cal, and not a freaking big bore. You know, because it's big bore hunting is not legal in Colorado as of right now. So I don't see myself having the opportunities currently to travel to other states where it is legal and do it. So I'll just pick up what I can, what I know I can. Yeah. I mean, I'm, look, by no means saying don't buy the high end or, or the low end or whatever. Each person needs to get what they like, but I feel like you need to get what you like and will allow you to go use it the way it should be used. In my mind, every gun's a hunting gun. When I pick up something, I don't want to sound like bloodthirsty stone cold killer guy, but I'm looking, <laughs> I want to go shoot something with it. You know, when I, when I, right. whatever it is, whatever I pick up a spear, a blow gun, a slingshot, whatever we're doing that day, my intent is to go knock something down with it. And when I buy guns, that's, that's the way I look at it. Will it do what I need it to do? And will I have enough money left over to go use it? Right. Uh, uh, yeah well those are really good rules of thumb <laughs> i mean look the gauntlet's heavy i'm not saying it's easy i mean you're gonna have to you're gonna have to understand what you you know you're getting but it can be done i mean like i said i did six miles and made i don't know 15 12 15 different sets calling so yeah it sucked that day but now i know what i got into and now i know what i can do with it so and i and you know i just but I got to go hunting was my point. Right. Yeah, that's and I think that's for me that my biggest interest with air guns is the hunting aspect of it. So that that's been my pursuit. Like you said, you're not a guy that sits down to shoot paper, and neither am I. I mean, I'll, I'll sit down to make sure everything's zeroed in and doing what I want to do. And if I can get a better group, you know, with a certain kind of ammunition, I'll, I'll I'll put it through its paces a little bit. But I don't need to sit and do the paper punching where I'm trying to figure out can I put, you know, a whole magazine through the same hole at thirty five yards. And it, it's or cool. Which pretty much I mean it will, but I, I'm not against it at all. It's not the, the you know No, no, definitely not. It's just not my style, not your style. You know, I'm not a so I, to, I, I don't I shoot everything pretty much factory. Like I know all things can be improved, but I'm just not a, I don't, 
I don't care that much. I want to, to get a, it's a tool to me. Like I want to buy something. I want to I get it home. I shoot it with, if it's, if it's a firearm and, you know, I may have to reload and, you know, to, to get it, shoot how I want or whatever it is. But once that's done and I feel like it's efficient, I'm done with it. I'm not adding to it. I'm not trying to soup it up. I'm not putting different things. Mm-hmm. I maybe adjust a trigger or something like that. But as far as turning a $400 gun into an $800 gun, I would just go buy an $800 gun and be done with it. You know, I'm not, I ain't, I don't like to tinker with mm-hmm. it a, a whole lot. I just feel like I can be spending that time right. in the woods, you know? Right. Well, I think that's good advice for a lot of the people who listen because I feel like in our industry specifically, there's a lot of tinkerers and not that there that's anything wrong. Like if, if you're a tinkerer and you like to mod stuff, good for you. God bless you because I do not have those skills or the patience to do it. I'm just like, just like you, does it do what I need to do? Okay, let's go shoot it. So I, but then again, some upgrades of certain things, I'm totally fine with upgrading and doing that kind of thing. But overall, if it serves its purpose, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, I mean, that's like a, I just I want to know that if if well, say, for instance, a shot is missed that I missed that shot. That's me. I need to get better. I don't ever want to guess. Was it the equipment? I'm not going to buy junk. I'm just saying to buy what I need, you know, and make it efficient for what I'm going to do with it. And then if I do miss a squirrel, then I don't go, oh, man, I don't know if the gun held zero or if these pellets shoot is good or no, I, I miss it. And then my kid laughs at me and says, hey, you sucked. And then I know, well, that was me. That wasn't a gun, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Chris, obviously you're a legend. <laughs> in my mind. Especially when it comes to, and mine, dude. I, I'm oh. a pretty good judge of character. <laughs> well, that's good. But, um, man, the, the hunt was super fun. And w- was there anything that stuck out uh, about our hunt that we did? Maybe... I don't know whether it was how difficult it was or I don't know anything that stuck out to you that made it obviously every hunt's different, but different than your average outing with the air saber or just going out the, the thing that I think was most frustrating to me was look, there's times you're going to go hunt and you just can't find an, an animal. Like I, I just need to change my plan, right? Like they're not here. They weren't, they didn't do what I thought they would. But that wasn't the case for five days. You know, we pulled camera cards on three or four cameras. There was always pigs somewhere. Like we, we never had, you know, a time where the pigs just disappeared. We just couldn't get lined up with them. And that was pretty frustrating to me because I, you, you know, most times I've, I've kind of got them pinned down. But I mean, even I sent you a picture after you left, you know, we were packing up at seven o'clock the, that morning. And I pulled my card yesterday or the day before, and there's pigs at the feeder while we're packing the truck. You know, it's not like they ever, they, right. that they went to a different property or they were doing something different. I had them right there doing what I wanted, but somehow we just never crossed paths. That was pretty frustrating because I would pick a stand or, or pick an area and then, you know, think, well, you know, they, they didn't come by tonight or they're over in the farmer's field eating wheat or whatever. And then we go back and then there they were not even 200 yards from where we were. That's why I told you, you know, right. eventually and we, we have to cross paths. I mean, they're, 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 they're here. They're here all the time. And so are we just 
for whatever reason, it was just bad luck. I mean, really, I don't think that there was something else that we could have done. I mean, I couldn't pour out more corn. I can't, you know what I mean? I mean, it was baited for, <laughs> there was plenty to eat. Everything was there. It was just a little bit of a little bit of bad luck. I mean, we just wind, wind swirled. You remember the one night a few came in and just, you know, they caught our wind. Nothing we can do about that. And I even picked a stand to make sure that the wind stayed right. And, you know, they went to the other one. Just, but it's hunting. That's the way it goes, man. I mean, I feel like we did about everything we could do, but mostly just, just sticking it out, just staying there, you know, knowing that eventually it's going to, we could have gave up. It was 101 degrees one day and, and it was 45 degrees the next day. That's not ideal conditions. No, it was a quite the shift in temperature. Neither of us were very prepared. <laughs> for well, I never clothing am, wise, you know, pretty much run Crocs about every day of the year. <laughs> Seriously, Crocs, shorts, and I mean, what else t-shirts. do you need, right? I mean, just give me my Yeti full of coffee, and I'll roll out just about anywhere in the world like that. Well, I I learned that over the course of those five days, man, and. It was great. I had a freaking blast. But, man, I'd like to get out there and do it again. And maybe this time head out there with a couple different guns in our arsenal. That way we can hopefully take more than one hog on the last That'd day be nice. of the hunt. It's it. I think now, since you've been there, you kind of... Look, I'm not saying this is the only way to hunt pigs. I'm saying I've hunted pigs on that property 25 years, and I can't even count the amount I've killed. So this is a pretty good way of doing it. But now that you kind of see right. the process, see how I do it, kind of where to go, I think we could we can cover a lot more ground, split up a little farther, you know, that, things like that. So, you mm-hmm. know, never having been there, never having, well, really hunted big game, you know, it's a little, little tougher. But now you're you're experienced now. You're an experienced pig hunter. So Yeah, dude. I'm like freaking what's a what's like a famous hunter? <laughs> yeah, Jim yeah. Shockey. I mean Yeah, you're just below Shockey for sure. Pretty much. Just not Canadian. Well, I mean, other than that, that's really the only, the thing, only thing separating you that I can tell. Yeah, same age even. <laughs> no, but you I mean, seriously, you know what but... I mean. Like, now you, you you know, you know where oh, some yeah. of the baits are, you know where some of the stands are, you know, things like that. Hey, I'm going to go around this way and, you know, we can do those things, but it's there, man. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, and just, anytime you want to, yeah, you want to come down, we'll for sure try it again. Like, I can't think of, I can't think that it would be worse than those five days of that hunt. I mean, that was pretty rough. Right. Well, even now having that experience and knowing kind of how hogs behave and what they're like i think we can well for me i can be a little bit more prepared as far as like the lengths that we need to go to 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 get one if we have to so i mean if we got to sleep in a stand and set up an alarm clock too. put all the lights on on one base what i would like you to, to do next time you come do it. is we'll get the dogs and i would like you to to go stick one with a knife and we'll catch them with the dogs and we'll do that, that whole experience. And then you can get to kind of see the, I think we, I told you before, but I think I wrote an article about this 
but anyway, I, I can't think of another style of hunting or another way of hunting that you actually hold the animal in your hands before it's dead. You know, there's not a whole lot of, even when you're, you know, even when you're trapping, you, you know, you shoot them when they're in the trap, but to go up there to a, mm -hmm. a very well live hog and basically have to fist spot it to the ground. I mean, you and the dogs, sometimes a dog or two, sometimes none. I mean, it just depends on the situation, but to be, to put that pig on the ground, and then actually take the knife and, and finish him is a different experience than most hunters have ever even considered. I mean, people shoot an animal at a distance and they walk up to it and it's dead. But to actually see the life leave that animal lets you know what you're doing. So that in my mind, every hunter should experience that to, to really, truly understand the consequences of what you're doing and appreciate it. You know, it's easy at a, at a distance... Yeah to not you know the, the deer ran off in the brush and died and you walk up and it's a dead deer and we're all familiar with a dead deer but what happened from the bullet impact to that dead deer is something that no one experiences but you can experience it when you when you catch a pig with dogs it's a different some guys can't do it i'm not i'm not saying it that everyone should should or shouldn't i, th I think everyone who hunts and who has taken the life of an animal should have to experience exactly what they're doing up close and personal. Maybe right. uh, that some people are like, no, oh, and that's, you're sick. You shouldn't. I'm like, no, get, the results all the same. You know, what, what's going on is all the same. Right. The difference is now you have to actually witness exactly what's going on when you loose that arrow and, and, and shoot something or, or however you decide to take that life. But, holding him alive and killing him afterward that's a little different than than most people are used to i'm not saying it right that i well, yeah, enjoy like you it said. it's part of the process i do like watching dogs work i do like chasing pigs around at three in the morning i do like the idea of maybe i get bit tonight maybe i don't by a snake or a hog or a dog <laughs> or whatever but i just like that but when it gets right down to it we are taken a life and we do need to appreciate that and we should see the process in my mind right yeah and and like you said the the process is all the same and it, it's almost like that same disconnect where people eat meat but they don't hunt and it's like well what what is the the difference between you eating a dead animal that's packaged versus me going out and shooting the animal and packaging it myself and being more intimately involved in that process. Not yeah, so I mean you're right. It's 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 it's, it's the exact same thing. Like, and it's not for everybody. It's getting a little me. bit taken, more. Intimate. I mean, there's been more than one guy that's just. I'm not interested. I'm and and it's not that they think like it's it's some barbaric thing or that they that it shouldn't be done. It's more the the they aren't prepared for that. They haven't actually ever really sat and thought about what they're doing when they're sitting in their deer stand and shooting a whitetail at a hundred yards. You know, that's just the way they've always done it growing up. You sit there with dad and you shoot a deer and it's cool. It's great. Right. Everyone should go do it. But I don't think it, it, people really get taught exactly what's going on. Hey, Hey, I shot a deer today and then we turn it into taco meat. That's cool. But the death is kind of like removed from that. Like we skip from, I shot a deer. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's just deer meat in the freezer. There's a lot goes on between those two things and no one sees that. Yeah. 
you got to peel an animal's skin off and cut it into pieces and pull its guts out, look at its eyeballs, all, kind, all kinds of seemingly uncomfortable but things. But they're delicious. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. Dude. But, we, hey, we, those we tenderloins, that that's, that's just... I don't even know. Did they touch the ice? I mean, they surely wasn't frozen. I cut them out and we pretty much tenderized them and put them straight on fire. That that's as primitive as, as it gets. That's the way we're supposed to be eating. You know, like I, I don't because I eat at cafes all over everywhere and God knows what I'm eating, but I do realize that really to probably be the healthiest and to eat the healthiest, you should only eat things that go bad, right? Like, Nothing should be able to sit out on your right. counter for, for four days and it still be good when you eat it. That can't be good for you. But to just cut a piece of meat off of an animal that you just took and put it directly over coals, is that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way we should be doing it. And it yeah. tastes amazing. That, was, that, that really, I think, made um, the experience. I, I think sometimes people also talk about like the hunt being like so amazing and like really like glorifying the hunt which which is good that that's a huge part of the process but it's like getting the food afterward is like almost the reward of a hunt where you successfully took a wild animal it's just there's something about the food too just like the community and just the sustaining of life like the most basic need you have being fulfilled right there right over the coals like, it's, it's you great. know what oh, i keep going back to africa but i just think that mentality there is different they don't they they look at that mm-hmm. as food you know that it's not a it's not a trophy it's not a it, it's an animal and and we need meat i think i told you the story but right. i i caught a a spring hare is like a little kangaroo looking crossed up rabbit thing it's a weird i don't know but it's i don't know it's like jackrabbit size but it has a long tail but it hops on two legs like a kangaroo but anyway we were we were driving around one night and i seen one going a little patch of grass he thought he was hidden i jumped out of the back of the truck and i grabbed it by the tail and i catch it because i wanted to you know i wanted to see it i didn't want to kill it and our skinner was there in the truck and he just pulls out a knife and i'm like whoa easy he's like no it's you know we're gonna kill it i said no we're not gonna kill it we got plenty of meat and you know i just killed a giraffe three days before we had plenty of meat but they that that meant their mentality is there's food let's eat it you know that's that everything's food like why would we let food go you know they don't think of that as a hunt or an experience or a these it's food everything's food and i basically had to kind of deal with him i told him i'd give him a a tiger fish the next day i said i'll give you a tiger fish to eat if you'll let me you know turn this loose and he wasn't happy about it but just that mentality it's just different like it, they they can't they can't even process like why would you turn meat loose or why would you shoot this for anything other than meat right yeah and, and that's i think that's a huge cultural thing and it's very much different than what we experience here in our culture where it's like we are so far removed from the actual (laughs) process and like human animal interaction of what it requires to eat a steak or chicken legs or, you know, 
lamb chops, whatever it is. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, there's some kids. I mean, it ain't the kids' fault, but I, I, I seen a kid the other day that he just realized that his chicken nugget was was a chicken, and if we can't, we, I mean, parents, adults, I don't know. Maybe we're we're so many generations removed from it now that the parents don't even know, but. If we can't explain to this kid that his chicken nugget is a, is a chicken, I mean, we, we got a lot more problems than just that. But that should be that should that's like the most right. elementary thing. I think that shouldn't even be an issue. Like like growing up where I grew up, it what we like you didn't even judge whether if a deer was hang, hanging in the tree. A lot of people are like, oh, that's gross. That wasn't even a that thought never crossed our mind. Just because growing up, before we could even talk or walk, there was a deer, uh, something was hanging in the tree, and it was being skint, and it was turned into meat. And we, you realize that without even being taught, right? Like, my grandma didn't have to set me down and say, I, I made this stew, and this is the process. I knew that because I've seen the whole entire process, and I never once right. thought it was gross or, you know, said that's nasty or I'm not eating that. They're just not around it. You know, kids aren't, and some adults, but. People just aren't around it. They only see the end, the end product. Like you were saying, it's in plastic. You know, I always tell everybody I like my meat and it's original packaging. So <laughs> I peel the skin off of them. But yeah, it's it's not. It's hard to explain to a lot of people why. Because why 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 are you hunting? What you know? Why don't you just buy the meat at the store? Why don't? It's it's so like that argument. You can never win that argument. There's no reason to argue. You know, I just. Say, hey, you know, have a nice day. You do what you do and I'll do what I do. But if someone really wanted to sit down and talk about it, we can talk about it. But that's not the way those conversations usually start. It's usually, hey, stupid no. murder. And you know how it goes. But I, I will yeah. never and, and anyone that hunts shouldn't apologize for it. Why would I? Look, I have about, I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of years of history on my side. It's only been within like the what last right. eighty years or so that we people started deciding that maybe we shouldn't, you know, do this. So, right, and it's in not even just the fact that we've done it for thousands of years, but that we have documented evidence and numbers and data on how hunting keeps healthier populations and ecosystems running, and where we have outlawed hunting like in places in Africa the populations of animals decreased and they were the worst that they've ever been recorded at because there was no right population control I, I get the so the it's giraffe like, I get uh well aren't they endangered I get that a lot it, it you can't take so in Texas right now elk used to roam all over this place there's there's very very few now and most of them come out of new mexico so if you only stayed in the borders of texas you could draw the conclusion that elk are endangered but we all know they're not so right when, when people hear national geographic say well the draft is, is is endangered here right it is there but there there's places on the planet that they're actually being cold there's places on this planet that we have to move them because there's too many so you can't just take the whole earth and say well that species is endangered well it may be in a certain spot you know but but not as a whole right. the species as a whole they're fine so 
Right. It's like saying a lot, not very many people live on earth and you're just taking the population <laughs> right. of Kansas. It's, so I, I'm not, I'm never going to go hunt. I have, well, technically an endangered species on my wall right now in a scimitar horned orcs that I'm looking right at. Well, in Northern Africa, Chad in that area, that's, this is where they're from. They, they're basically extinct there, but in Texas, there's, <sighs> ranches i mean full of them that you know they run specials hey we got way too many mm -hmm. so yes i guess technically it's an endangered species but not where i took this one you know there's ample amount of them right and if we could get the governments in some of these countries to actually participate we could replenish you know replenish them back in their in their original countries but they always seem to disappear not long after they're put in there but anyway so I'm what I'm saying, I'm never going to go hunt uh, the last whatever it is in this country. All of all of the hunting I do, I, right. I, I mean, I, there's no guilty, guilty conscience at all. Like I'm the, the giraffe that I hunted was was one of 11 that were hunted in that area because of overpopulation. And it's just not feasible to move that animal. Now, there there are some programs that are. Ivan Carter's getting some of them moved, but he's got a lot more money than I got. So, <laughs> I mean, so when, when, I, when the, when I was approached about the giraffe, I asked, well, what's the deal on it? What species is it? Where is it at? You know, I want to know everything about it. And I was in, and I, and I got all those, those questions answered, but then I was basically told that giraffe's going to get killed, whether you kill it or not. Cause the, the conservation people right. there, the landowner, he's 19 i think 18 or 19 years old estimated he's done he's fighting he's 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 he needs to go for the, for the betterment of the population whether you take him or not and i was like well let's go find him you know let's go hunt him i don't have a problem hunting that animal in that situation at all right so if someone yeah if someone's willing to then pay money that goes into the protecting and conservation for a species that's going to, you know, better that herd population or, or whatever animal it is. I mean, I think that's another thing people, they don't consider when they think about like trophy hunting, which I, I think what you and I talked about, that's probably something that people started to put a, a title. They started to put on hunting animals like that to have a negative connotation, but like just because you don't hunt them doesn't mean you're in any way helping the conservation exactly. of that species. In fact, you're, you're, you're not helping anywhere near as much as a guy who pays four grand to go kill one of those things. Or, you know, if you're one of the crazy rich guys hunting like a endangered species of rhinos, like, okay, that one had to die anyway, it's going to die. So let's get $60,000 for it. That goes to conservation efforts that you non-hunters or anti-hunters are not contributing to in any way I, shape I or form. personally for me wouldn't i wouldn't hunt a giraffe again for the hunt for myself it, it was it was a fairly mm -hmm. it wasn't easy it was fairly boring to me like there wasn't so pretty much the the draft seen you a long time ago it's just a matter of whether he's going to allow me to get close enough to shoot and there was a lot of times he didn't but the, as far as the hunt goes, like to me, zebra is a lot more exciting. They, that, that's a tough hunt. But 
once I seen the draft hit the ground and once I seen the what took place, the amount of people that it fed, the amount of, of families that were fed, like the excitement on all of those people's faces when they come down and they're high-fiving. And, and look, every situation is different. I'm not saying every single giraffe hunt is this way. I'm saying my experience was this way. But if I was in that mm-hmm. area again and, and someone said, you know, do you want to hunt this giraffe? For me, I wouldn't do it. If I felt like that, you know, all, all those people from the bush were going to get the meat and be as excited as they were before, I'd go hunt it for them. Like just to, just to see, I mean, there's little kids that are carrying bags with just chunks of meat. I mean, that alone, I'm like, <laughs> look, look how excited he is over that kidney or that piece of liver. Like, who am I to even act like that? I'm doing this for me. I don't, I don't, I'm not even gonna, I wouldn't go hunt another one if that situation wasn't able to happen just because I didn't, Right. The hunt itself wasn't like the greatest, you know, hunt. There was other things that I, that were a lot harder to hunt. The terrain was different, but the situation that that giraffe was in, I absolutely would do that again. I mean, I've got pictures and videos of, right. of just, it, it looks like ants. I mean, these guys just crawl up all over this carcass and just start cutting chunks of it off until there's just a barely a wet spot on the ground. I promise you there was less waste yeah. in that giraffe than most any white-tailed deer that's killed in, in North America. On, on a, People that just do their regular butchering of a white-tailed deer waste more meat than was wasted on that 2,000-pound giraffe. Literally every single little thing was taken away. Right. And that's the way it should be, too. I mean, I I get when there's an abundance of a certain animal like a hog you know or something like that or like a nuisance species or nuisance animal it it you might not have the the time based on i don't know temperature you know it's yeah that, that happens in to Texas, us a so lot. it's yeah. 116 degrees out you know there's that's a different kind of a different uh situation but i th- i think if you can take all of the meat or as much of the usable meat as possible. I think you should, obviously, you know, it's, it's different based on the circumstances. Like if there's a blizzard or if you have to pack out an elk, you know, 50 miles from where you walked in and you get back and there's like a grizzly bear on it, you know, don't try and run it off and then cut away more meat, you know, but if you can take the meat, take as much as you can. Absolutely. I mean, but you're right about like that day that you were here and it got up to well, 100, 101, whatever it was, that would have been tough. I mean, we wouldn't have, we'd have had to hurry. Not that it can't be done. We can do it. I do, I've right. done it a lot, but getting video and, you know, good pictures and all that, that's a little different than when it's, you know, 35 or 40 outside for sure. Yeah. So we, we definitely had that on our side, but man, well, Chris, was there anything else that you wanted to uh, throw out there uh, where people can follow you on social media? You mentioned cafes and campfires.com, your, your website where you blog and that kind of stuff. But uh, where I else think uh, my Instagram is out, Chris dude? M cook. I think, is that right? You probably know more than I do. I, there's a, there's a lot of variety there. It's not just a straight hunting site. Right. There's, there's a lot of food. There's a, there might be a baseball thrown in there. My kids, uh, my kid got drafted by the Astros last year. Yeah, last year, so I have to 
have to throw in a little baseball, but there's plenty of hunting, plenty of fishing, big, big variety. And then on Facebook, there's a Cafes and Campfires Facebook page too, which if you want to, you want to see the intelligence of some of the people in this world, you can go read those comments. It's uh, it gets pretty entertaining. <laughs> uh, and then this, my personal well, Facebook's just Chris Cook, but any of those, man, if anybody wants to know anything that they think I might know, ask me pretty, pretty easy to get along with pretty, pretty responsive to messages and things like that. And always up for some sort of adventure. Well, I have <laughs> learned that man. Well, Chris, before we end this, um, you want to tell people any plans you have with the air saber? Uh, not got any big well, plans with it? Kill a, I kill mean, maybe, but right now I, I am. I, if they ever allow us back into Africa, I will take it to Africa. We're, it's as of right now, Americans still can't go, but I I booked mine out to next October in hopes that that all of this stuff is done and you know, it'll be back to normal, but it will be in Africa with me the next time I go. Mm -hmm. But right now I'm really just trying to do a lot of hunting around the house. I want to learn that everything I can about that gun. I want to like, uh, you know, you, you took a shot, what a 55 or something yard shot, you know, and that's a, that's the farthest I'd ever mm -hmm. really stretched it out. We shot some 50 yard zero, which I was pretty impressed with, but, I want to shoot some big pigs. You know, I really want to test the, the penetration and I know it's fast and, and, you know, and arrow weights and all that, but I want to see situ hunting situations. I want to see if the, if the, if a pig's quartering this way or, you know, some of these pigs that I have, you've seen the pictures are 300 pound pigs. I want to know how that arrow is going to do at this angle, how it's going to do it on a front on shot. You know, all those things that you really need to just mm -hmm. go out in the field and, and use it and you know you can put in the numbers all day long and come up with all of the the things that make everything so great but i want to know the business of it i want to know whenever a 300 pound pig comes in and he decides that he don't like where i'm sitting and i have to shoot him in the chest is he going to die pretty quick or do i need to start pulling out knives so i got a fist spot him you know i'm <laughs> i you know, i, I want to know right. real life scenarios so there's going to be a lot of hunting with it whitetails and pigs Hopefully a turkey or two, which and that's not, not going to be a problem. I just really want to take a turkey with it. But when I get it to Africa, I want to be able to feel like pretty much any scenario that comes up, if there's a wildebeest at this yardage, at this angle, whether I should take the shot or not. And not taking a shot is just as important right. as, as taking the shot a lot of times. I mean, if you can't make the shot, you just back out and try again later, you know. The best trackers in the world are there in Africa, but there's yeah. no reason in making them work. I mean, right, so right. I really just want to learn it. It's probably, it'll be my main gun this, this entire season for sure. I mean, you've seen my setups. I kind of set them up for it. You know, I don't have anything. I really stretched out 50 yards, something like that. So that's my plan for right, that. So right. be looking for yeah. those pictures. If I'm any good, then maybe I can pull it off. Well, I know you are, are uh, you tend to just do what you do and not hit the record <laughs> button. But if you do happen to record some stuff, look, you've, you've almost guilted me because... into it now that I feel like I kind of have to for you because I've I seen you do it. So it's not like 
you were in my stands on my place doing exactly what I would do and you pulled it off. So I really don't have that excuse like it's too hard or any of that because I've seen it done. So now I kind of feel like I need to really step it up because I do a lot, a lot of hunting. And I mean, I take a lot, a lot of animals every year, 25 to 30 big game animals a year. So I probably should hit record and record a little bit of it, but I'm going to get better at that. I'll do that. Fair enough, dude. Well, Chris, thank you again, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, coming back out sometime and doing another hunt with you. Yeah. Hit me up. We'll, maybe we'll get a wintertime hog hunt. It'll be a little cooler here in about February or so. Maybe you can head back and we'll do it again. Man, what an awesome episode and what a cool story. Chris is a super awesome guy. So make sure you guys are following him on social media, uh, whether that's Facebook or Instagram. And uh, he's also got his YouTube channel up. So check out cafesandcampfires.com. And if you guys are looking for some tap merch or some products, I'm doing a Black Friday special. So just enter the code Black Friday no spaces, uh, at checkout, and you can get 50% off of your order, whatever it is. And on top of that, the holiday special is going where you get free shipping. So it's basically the best deal that's ever been created in the history of the entire world. So um, there's that for you. But anyway, I'll check in with you guys next week, and we're going to be hearing from Dana Webb of Mountain Sport Air Guns. And man, what a great guy. So stay tuned for that one.